All right. Good morning, guys. Like Ron said, my name is Billy Sprague. I get to serve as your family life pastor. Uh, if you saw me got introduced two months ago, quick update, I'm loving it. I'm on cloud nine. I am just like, you guys are awesome. Your kids are awesome. The serve teams that we have on Sunday and then Tuesday in our Alpha Omega youth group, they're awesome. It's an honor to serve here, honor to be with you guys. Honor to open up God's word with you this morning. We are in week three of a series called Depth. And we're going through the book of Colossians. And uh, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Colossae. And he's actually never been there. But he's working all this through a disciple named Epaphras. And he starts off the whole thing with, hey, I'm grateful for you. I'm praying for you. And then he shifts into this, the supremacy of Christ. It's this poem. It's beautiful. And as we were praying about, God, where are you taking our church, this Colossians series? It all gets shuffled out. And I'm going through Colossians 1, verse 24 through 29. And I read like the first line. And Paul says, now I rejoice in what I'm suffering. And I'm like, suffering? Come on. I'm not the suffering guy. I'm the glass half full guy. If you ask me like, is that glass half full, half empty? I'd be like, I don't know why we're talking about that full glass of water. Let's go play football, right? I'm like suffering. Jason Ronner in the back, like this is gonna be hilarious. Like Billy's first time suffering. Oh, this is gonna be hilarious on Memorial Day. So, but God has done a work in my heart through this passage and I want him to do it for all of us this morning. What I want the passage to do for us is to uh, convince us to opt into suffering for Christ. And so now you guys are like, opt into suffering. Come on, man. But that's what I want it to do for us this morning, okay? Uh, the, I got to play college football at Colorado School of Mines in Golden, Colorado, and I loved it. I loved it. But like anything great, it takes a bunch of work, sacrifice, suffering, all that, for you to get any benefit out of it. And I, when I got, got to Mines, I realized to play college football, you need one or two things, one of two things. You either need to have a screw loose, right? Like you're like, brick wall, I just want to run through it, or amazing athleticism. So in high school, I was like, I've got amazing athleticism. And then I went to Mines, and believe it or not, engineers aren't known for their unbelievable athleticism, so I had to come with terms that I've got to screw loose. And all my friends do too. But we, uh, we confirmed that in the first year, you red shirt, so you didn't even play a game. You just go through pain and start, you just work out, you lift, and you eat. That's it. And so that happens year in and year in. And uh, I had a defensive coordinator, his name was Coach Benson, and he was a statistics guy. He like loved the stats, which worked perfect at Mines. We love numbers, we're nerds. And so he's like, he always would say things like, uh, uh, the, the team that wins the game, 86% of the time wins the turnover battle, right? So you get the ball, you're gonna win the game. And his favorite one was, you get six opportunities in a game to make a big play, six. 11 games, six opportunities a game, 66 plays. I'm going to go on a math tangent here. It's like 10 seconds less per play, 600 seconds, 10 minutes. You have 10 minutes to make a big play. I was like, that's a short period of time. How long do we go through the grind all year? So I started calculating. I'm not going to take you through all that, but I calculated 1,000 hours. So 60,000 minutes of grind time for 10 minutes of potential glory. So that's what, that's what we're dealing with at Mines, playing college football. But you had to opt in for that 60,000 minutes in order to play for the 10. And so my senior year, everything, it was one of those years where like everything comes together. You've got the talent, the chemistry. It all comes together. We go on this win streak. We get to the end of the season. We win this game. We're conference champions. So everyone's feeling the pressure, the heat. 
back and forth game, back and forth game. Our offense scores with like 45 seconds left and we go up by one. So now defense goes out on the field. I played linebacker, I'm on defense. I get to go out and I'm like, this is what you live for. Wrap the game up, seal the deal, make a big play. So, you know, the last minute of football takes like three hours, right? Is anyone ever, honey, there's one minute left. <laughs> it's like five hours later. So they move the ball a little bit. They're like midfield. There's 10 seconds left. And a coach calls a blitz. If you don't know what a blitz is, the whole point, destroy the quarterback, right? It's like the be- as a linebacker, you're like, that's the best news. I don't have to do anything else. So my other inside linebacker buddy and I, we get set up. And the play is he goes and I wrap around him. They got to pick one of us. So he goes, they pick him. Thank God. I come around him, I'm coming, I'm just wide open, quarterback's right in front of me, (laughs) nail him. There is no better feeling in the world than just destroying a quarterback. (laughs) Clock runs out, we win the game. Everyone goes, "Ah, yes, yeah. You've never seen so many 250 pound guys crying in your life, just, yeah. All the the blood, the sweat, the tears, 60,000 minutes, all worth it in that one moment. And what I realized is we will opt into suffering if it's worth it. So this morning, I want to jump into the scripture real quick. We're going to get a framework around what it means to opt in and what Paul means by suffering. And then I want to give us three benefits to opting into that suffering. Sound good? All right. Uh, Jumping in, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, Paul says... Now I rejoice in what I am suffering. My new favorite line. Rejoice in suffering. This is a a complete paradigm shift for us, right? We avoid suffering at all times. I'm not even trying to like just avoid suffering. I'm trying to avoid discomfort. I've built my life around comfort. And Paul's saying rejoice in suffering. I want to get away from that. And I think there's really two types of suffering. Um, This isn't like a breakdown of the word suffering. The Greek word suffering is suffering here. But I I think there's two two ways that you can look at it. One is the type of suffering that happens to us. It occurs to us because we live in a broken world. But I think the the suffering that Paul's getting at here is the kind that you opt in for. It's that 60,000 minutes. You know what you're getting in for. And when we opt in to follow Jesus, we opt into suffering. We opt in to forgiving those who, who don't deserve forgiveness. You don't know what he did to me. You don't know what she did to me. When you opt in to following Jesus, you opt in to sacrificially give your time. Time is mine. I choose what I do with that. You sacrificially give your money. I worked for that. That's my money. I got to give some. You give your talents, your time. You are opting in for God's will and suffering by dying to your own. Suffering, opting into this suffering for Jesus is not easy, but it's worth it. And I want to give us three benefits this morning of opting into this suffering. And the first benefit is you get to take part in the mission. Let's look at verse 24 and 25. Paul says, Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Paul is taking part in the mission. He's, he's in prison. He's chained up to a guy. I, that's just what they did in prison. We don't want you to escape. We're just going to chain you up to somebody else. And he is presenting the word of God in its fullness, right? It says he, he is a servant 
by the commission God gave him. And because he's getting to take part in the mission, he's celebrating. He's celebrating that suffering because it means the mission is advancing. And he also knows what it takes for that mission to advance. Look at verse, verse 24. I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Let's pause there. Lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. When were I was like, what? That can't be right. There's nothing lacking in Christ's afflictions. He, he lived the perfect life, died on the cross for my sins so that I could be perfect in the eyes of God. It's finished. The veil's torn. God dwells within us. It's finished. There's nothing lacking in Christ's afflictions. But the word afflictions here, what Paul's talking about, is the everyday afflictions. It's what Jesus went through every day of denying himself for the ways of the Father. It's, this, it's the afflictions that Jesus went through, that Paul went through, and that we, he's urging us to continue in to see the mission advance. I've been around um, enough people in my walk with Christ that I hear these amazing God stories, right? I'm thinking of like, uh, we were fresh out of money, the envelope showed up and had the exact amount we needed. And, so, and or hey, this guy got healed, or these, these amazing God stories, these amazing God moments. And I was like, how do I get some of that? That's what I want. And I, I started to recognize in all these stories at the, at the beginning of the stories, and usually it, it kind of gets glossed over, there is sacrifice and suffering to start that story. And so I was thinking, what am I not sacrificing? What am I not giving to God? And I realized it was my time. I, I th- I'm like, man, my time's mine. What I do with it? Netflix and chill, man. You know, like a time is mine. And so I started to give up on that. I was like, God, I want, a, I want a big mo- movement. I want to see what you can do. And so I give him my time and a big shift. Set my alarm like 15 minutes earlier in the morning. And I started spending every morning with God, just time with him, time with him, time with him. I do this for a couple years. Last summer, God starts stirring my heart. Like something's up. And I'm like, God, you're here. Like you're going to do something. You're about to make a big move in my life. And over the summer, I probably had three or four conversations with people where I was telling them like, hey, I feel God. I know he is about to move in my life. Fast forward to the fall, Jason sets up a meeting with uh, me, him, and Ron, and they talk to me about this family life pastor role. And I'm listening, I'm like, oh yeah, cool, this is sweet, yeah. Um, and I'm like, you know, I'm kind of walking around, I'm like, yeah, probably not. I'm actually waiting for God to make a big move in my life. <laughs> I'm like, these dudes probably walked around like, yeah, all that stuff you've been working towards, we want you to leave that and come work for the church. Like, they had patience and grace for me, which I appreciate. I, uh, I went back home. Kelsey and I prayed and prayed and prayed. We uh, talked to a lot of other people. We talked about how it all go out in December. Kelsey and I were like, hey, God, affirm this. And I went to Ron. I was like, hey, man, I'm in. I'm all in. Let's do this thing. And fast forward from there to today, this morning, I, uh, you know, we shuffled out. Okay, I'm preaching on 24 through 29. Read the suffering thing. Get through that. 25. And I'm, I have to turn the page of my Bible to get to 26 through 29, and I read it, and I realize I've got it like boxed in. I've got it highlighted. And I like scribbling all over my Bible if something significant, something big, what's, what's God showing me? And so I follow the line down, and at the bottom, I wrote, I wrote this. Under the passage we are studying this morning, read this December 13th when I accepted Restoration Family Life Pastor role. Let's go, God! Let's go! Oh, man. Whatever suffering lies ahead, I'm in. I want to see these wonders. I want to see these miracles. God, I want to see what you have for me. I'm in. 
I'm in. I'm not saying you got to leave your job. Some of you are like, man, I've been waiting to quit my job. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Like Ron said, the money's the same, so you might as well do it, right? Um, you don't have to do that. But I think you, you need to find, what have I not given to God and give it to him? Give him 60,000 minutes and watch him blow your mind in one. Blow your mind in one. So the first benefit to opting into suffering is we get to take part in the mission. We get to see his wonders, his miracles, love people, make disciples, and see the mission advance. The second benefit to opting into the suffering is you get to go deeper into the mystery. What is the mystery? Verse 26 and 27. The mystery which has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Suffering takes us deeper into the mystery, and what the, the Colossians would have understood uniquely at this time is this mystery of who's the Messiah. They had been waiting and waiting and waiting. There were guys who were coming saying they were the Messiah. So they're like, is this guy the Messiah? Is, this, is it this guy? The mystery's been revealed. Jesus is the Messiah. They thought he was gonna come, take over, establish the government and be king. But no one expected the suffering Messiah. But in this passage in your life, doesn't the suffering Messiah make more sense? Can't you relate more to the suffering Messiah? I know I can. I know I can. Have you ever just walked through the fire with somebody where it's like, we were, you were going through suffering and I'm with you. And you go through the fire and you come out that other side and there's a depth created between the two of you that is significant. It's significant. We need to opt into the suffering to better understand our suffering Messiah, to go deeper in the mystery. I grew up in, in Denver here, close to here. And one thing I love about Denver is these neighborhoods, especially like the historic ones, have these huge trees, that, right? They cover the entire block. You're always in shade. I mean, it's, it's amazing. If you were in the sky, you can't see anything. It's trees. And uh, I realized those trees didn't just get huge because of time. And I know that because I got hooked on to this, uh, this study by uh, Jeff, who preached last weekend. And there's this group of scientists who got together and they created this thing called a biodome, right? So it's a structure, bunch of domes. And what they're doing is they're creating a controlled environment. They're trying to create the perfect environment, grass, trees, animals, us, all to live in. I think they did it out in the middle of nowhere, right? In the desert or somewhere. And so they build this whole thing. And four years into the whole study, they planted the grass, they planted the trees. The weirdest thing starts happening. All the trees start collapsing. And they're like, what is going on? We created the perfect environment. This is completely controlled. Why are all these trees collapsing? They study, they study, they investigate, and they do research. And they finally figured it out. All these trees are collapsing because there's no wind in the biodome. And trees need wind because it strengthens their fiber and it tells the tree, grow your roots deeper. Those trees that have grown big have had the wind hit them and they've grown deeper and deeper. We need to opt into suffering. We need, to, we need the wind to hit us. We need that suffering to grow our roots deeper in Christ. 
So the benef- second benefit to going deeper into, is to going deeper into the mystery. It's to knowing Christ, growing deeper in him when we opt in for suffering. The third benefit to opting into suffering for Christ is it authenticates our testimony. Verse 28 and 29, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. Paul's stating our our collective goal here to present everyone perfect, to present everybody perfect in Christ. He says that, that, he says here that admonishing and teaching with all wisdom. It's hard to do that in all wisdom if you've never been through it. It's that experiential knowledge Jason talked about in week one. We have that intellectual knowledge where we know it, but then that experiential knowledge that takes us deeper, right? That, that, That helps us to get this more. It helps us to authenticate our testimony in Jesus Christ. Now, this doesn't mean that every time you have a hard decision, you're like, okay, uh, fork in the road, which one's gonna kill me? Let's take that one, right? That's not, that's not what we need to do here. What, what it does mean is when you opt into suffering, we should lack a little comfort. We should be stepping into things that God calls us to that, are, that might be hard and stepping away from things that are really easy that God calls us away from, but everyone's doing it. We should lack a little bit of comfort. Following Jesus is both easy and hard. It's not either or, it's and. Look at verse 29 again. To this end I labor, struggling. It's hard work. I labor, I struggle. This is hard work. But then he continues, with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. It's easy. It's Christ's energy that works through me. It's both easy and hard. Opting into suffering allows you to authenticate your story, which then allows you to speak into other people's lives in ways that only you can. If, if you wanted to become a, a Navy SEAL and you had, you know, me to give you advice and talk to you, and then an actual Navy SEAL, right, who had been through it, tours, buds, all that, you came up to me and you're like, Billy, I want to be a Navy SEAL. What do you think? Let's talk about it. I'd be like, yeah, man, you know what? I took swimming lessons at the YMCA. <laughs> and uh, it was tough, you know? I, the kicking, the breathing, the floaties got in the way, but I, I made it through. I made it through. It's, but it's, that's going to be tough, man. You'd be like, did you just compare Navy SEALs to the YMCA? If you went to the Navy SEAL, who'd been through all of it, been forged in the fire, you know has been through it. He could tell you everything you wanted to know. He's been authenticated in that story and has the unique ability to speak to you. uh, I've got a new hero in the faith that I've met in the last two months. And a a lot of you might know him and a lot of you might not because he serves so much. His name is Joe Crawford and he's our middle school pastor. This is a picture of him. I asked for a way worse picture. Joe and I are buds now. I'm trying to, you know, throw him under the bus a little bit, but uh, we, had a, we found a good one. And uh, Joe has just hit 50 years in youth ministry. 50. You, yeah, right? Come on. He, uh, you're like talking to some parents and you're like, hey, you know, middle school, man, those middle school years were tough. All three of them. My kids were crazy. Joe's done 50 of them. He's like signing up for this thing. 
50 years of youth ministry, it's generational youth ministry. There is some family who had a kid. That kid went all the way through Joe's youth ministry, got married, had a kid. That kid went all the way through Joe's youth ministry. He's been doing this 50 years. This is the, uh, this is the craziest thing, if you don't know this about Joe. 45, 46 of those years were all in California. And eventually he's like, dude, I've been doing this for 45, 46 years. Uh, you know, I'm retiring. Well-deserved, right? Hey, retiring, my wife and I were moving to Colorado. So four or five years ago, they move out here to Colorado where he volunteers as our middle school pastor. Who does that? I, I had to ask him like 10 times to explain that to me. I was like, dude, you are amazing. If there's ever a time to honor somebody, it's, it's, it's right now. And, and I want to clap, but Joe's teaching downstairs right below us. I'd like us to stomp so that he's like, what on earth is going up out there? Okay. So you guys ready to honor Joe for what he's done for us at the church, kids meeting Christ. I like it. Everyone's getting ready for the stomp. Let's go. Let's honor Joe. Let's honor Joe. My guys up front win the stomping competition. For all of you competitive people out there, they won. They won. 50 years of labor authenticates Joe's story. He's taking part in the mission. The first week I was here, two kids, Tuesday at Alpha and Omega, our youth group, raised their hands. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My first week here, I'm like, who is this guy? He is authenticated through the labor. When Joe, when Joe talks to me, when he's like telling me about youth ministry stuff, I'm like, dude, bring it. Tell me everything. I can't get enough. I'm eating. I'm like, come on, man. Give me more. Give me more. He's been authenticated. The labor that he's taken deepens him in Christ, helps him to take part in the mission, which then compels him to share the gospel more and make more disciples. And he's watching kids get saved all the time. It's, a, it's amazing to watch. When you opt in for suffering for Christ, you get to take part in the mission, experience salvation, big God moments. You grow deeper into the mystery, which is Christ in you, right? Christ in us, we're going deeper with him. And three, it authenticates our testimony. It allows us to speak into others. As we close this morning, after Jesus' last meal with his disciples, they went to the, the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus has this like intense prayer moment with God where he says, Lord, take this cup from me. He knows what he was opting into. He knows the suffering he was heading towards. The, the obedience, the opting into suffering was taking him to death. He, he follows that up with the most humble prayer you could ever say. Not my will, God, but yours. Not my way, God, your way. Jesus was perfect and I'm not. And this is how I, I, I found myself praying this sometimes. God, I don't want to suffer for my soul. And I don't want to suffer for the soul of others. Is there another way? Is there another way? The brutal answer is actually yes. But we miss out. We miss out on what's worth it. 
We don't get to take part. We don't get to take as big of a part in the mission. We don't get to grow as deep with Jesus. We don't get to speak into others because our story is authenticated. We, get, we miss out on that. Jesus shows us time and time again that suffering is in store for when we opt in. If you look at a map of the Garden of Gethsemane, scholars have, have kind of looked back and they say there's all these paths leaving the garden, all these different ways to go. Think of Wash Park, think of a garden you've been in. There's all these ways to get out. Jesus is standing in the garden and, and there's one path towards suffering and being arrested. When we're in the garden, when we're in that situation, we're walking and we see the path and we're like, down that path is money and status at the expense of others, but, but I want that. I'm gonna go down this path. We see the path down here where, hey, I, I'm feeling the pressure I'm feeling overwhelmed. Down that path, there's wine, there's whiskey. I'm gonna cope there, that's the path I'm gonna go down. Maybe you're getting closer to taking that path to suffering and you see down this path, there's a couch in Netflix. There's nothing hard down there. I mean, I was gonna go there, but that, that one's easy, I'm gonna escape. I wanna escape down that path. Jesus, standing in the garden, has every path to escape, but he chooses the path of suffering for you and for me. The ultimate opt-in by our savior. I'm gonna pray right before I do. There's two places you might be in this morning. One, you might not be a disciple of Jesus quite yet. You're exploring faith. You're checking it out. And, and as I'm talking about a suffering Messiah, as I'm talking about you know, going deeper with him, what he did for us, you're like, man, Jesus is doing something in my heart. Something's happening. If that's you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for you. I want you to step into that. What suffering might look like for you, download the Bible app, go to chapter one, read Mark chapter one. Talk to your friend in the, who, who has a relationship with Jesus. Opt in for that and deny some of yourself. The second place you might be in is that you've accepted Christ. They unlocked the gate, they let you on the field, but you've kept your whole life on the sidelines or, or a part of your life on the sidelines. You're like, I'm not giving this to God yet, but you're done with that. You're like, yes, I wanna opt in, God. I wanna see what you can do with all of me. What opting in might look like for you is, is identifying what God is calling you towards or away from. I wanna give us 20 seconds. We'll bow our heads, let's think about that right before I pray. What is, what is Jesus speaking to you this morning? Where is he calling you towards or away? Where do you need to opt in? Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you opted in to suffering for us. Thank you that we can trust you, God, that when we opt into this suffering, you're there, you show up. We know your promises and your wonders, God. God, we, there's parts of our lives that, we, that we're having trouble giving to you or getting away from. Help us. Help us to trust you. Help us to trust that end goal, Lord. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you came. You died for us. Let your word saturate our, saturate our hearts, God. Let it change us to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.